0: On this week's episode, we discuss economics and oil.
1: So let me start with you, um, Ambassador. Um, High gas prices, high rents, the cost of service is all having a cumulative effect on everyday Americans in this country and wage hikes haven't kept pace with inflation, what measures from your experience should be taken to provide relief for struggling Americans all across this country?
2: Well, Armstrong, thank you for having me again. Uh, I want to take you back basically some 40 years when I first met you. And I w- had been sworn in that day as the founding director of the Minerals Management Service. So the oil and gas issue is a get, uh, issue that I am eminently uh, qualified. I, I, I don't usually speak in superlatives about myself uh, to discuss. And uh, your previous um, uh, interviewee uh, speaking about uh, the issues that uh, – uh, the release of the petroleum reserve that was under my purview. Uh, my position is that is a defensive mechanism created by, uh, the U.S. government to protect us, uh, from future oil embargoes from abroad. we don't, you don't have that to deplete for political purposes, for market purposes. What is the uh, position of the uh, XL Keystone XL pipeline? Um, it It's stopped. Well, what is the capacity of the storage at Cushing, Oklahoma? If you asked people what is where and what is Cushing, Oklahoma. It is one of the most important destinations of oil in our country uh, or in North America, possibly the Western Hemisphere. It is where our uh, storage uh, is a part of a three million mile pipeline that uh, transports or oil to refineries. There are no refineries at Cushing. Uh, you probably never heard of Cushing, Oklahoma, but it's critical to uh, meeting our oil needs because that is where uh, storage tanks, dozens of storage tanks, uh, keep uh, the oil that is produced in North America.
1: You know, uh, and and thank you for that reminder, uh, Ambassador. Jordan Gooden, less and less people are playing the stock market. Serial investors, who's supposed to be um, experts at playing the market, are rethinking their strategies. Uh, what is happening with the volatility of the market and what does that tell us about our economy and the global economy?
3: Well, I mean, the market's taking a big dive. It's, uh, we're in a bear market right now, Armstrong. And it's because the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates so dramatically uh, to counter the inflation we've just been talking about. They've raised rates uh, three-quarters of a point three times. Their next meeting is November 2nd. I think they're going to raise rates another three-quarters of a point at that time. So it means that treasuries are really a competitor. The stocks, we've had a long time before this where we had interest rates at zero pretty much. So that's not very attractive. But now you have two-year treasuries at like 4.5%. 10-year treasuries, 4.1%. So that provides some real competition for stocks. And those rates are only gonna go up more as the Fed keeps battling inflation. So that's one of the reasons why there's so much less interest in the stock market. Uh, there is volatility, but a lot fewer people trading it. It was a lot easier, Armstrong, when it was shooting up all the time. Um, people were making all this money. Bitcoin was at 65,000, you know, it was a wonderful time. But that bubble has burst about for about the last year or so.
1: Is, is there any way, let me, let me stay with George Jordan, is there any way possible that people can insulate themselves from such economic hardship, or is it going to get harsher?
3: Well, it's going to get harsher as the Fed keeps raising rates. That's going to keep hurting the stock market. It's also hurting the real estate market. A lot of people in this country have their wealth more in real estate than they do in stocks, and the real estate market's really gotten hurt. Home sales have been down for the last seven months in a row, and prices are even starting to fall a little bit. Uh, because of the higher interest rates. We have mortgage rates now, Armstrong, over 7%. Oh, yes, yes. That, they've more than doubled in the last year.
1: Unbelievable.
3: That takes a lot of people out of the market. They can't buy homes with a 7% plus mortgage. And the other thing people don't remember is it affects sellers. People don't want to put their homes in the market because if, say, they've got a 3 or 4% mortgage, and they sell and they buy a new home at a 7% mortgage, it doesn't make sense,
1: so it reduces supply to the market as well as it means there's less demand. People can't afford it. Mr. Dolik. but it may have been a little too late because of political issues and politics, as you mentioned, but I don't know if the administration has any other choice to stop these high interest, uh, to stop this inflation, except to increase interest rates until they get it under control. What else can they do?
2: Uh, the cost of money is uh, should be a different factor here. And <clears throat> the the Feds increases as previously stated. These are historic percentage wise increases and it is baked into the market that uh, the next Fed meeting you will have that 75 basis point increase. And what this is going to do is going to be very devastating to the stock market. As you know, I bought a seat on the New York Stock Exchange uh, 50 years ago, and uh, I uh, am in, in tune with uh, the, that uh, those increases. And it affects every aspect of our lives. And we're talking about the two most important elements here, oil and interest rates. And, all of this is going in the wrong direction and december uh 5th uh when the uh deal with russia uh regarding their oil flow expires what happens the next day to, to europe well you know we have uh and we're at a flashpoint here uh in the stock market in our economy the world economy and what uh, But with the recent resigning uh, of the uh, prime minister in uh, the UK, it is telling us something that there are issues in the economy, the world economy today, and these are not uh, uh, positive issues. We we have troubles before us. As uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, Premier Banker uh, said, you know, he, and he had to pull it back, for, I think, because of political reasons. He said, we're facing a hurricane. And then he pulled that back to say, we we're facing clouds ahead. Uh, we are we have issues here.
1: You know, E.J., um, the Fed has been aggressively hiking interest <laughs> rates since March of this year. It has not worked. And does it also tell us It will not work in the future. And
0: are we in a recession? Well, to answer your last question first, we're certainly in a recession. We we found that out when the economy shrunk for the first six months of the year. And people are increasingly asking me not so much about a recession, but about a double dip, meaning the third quarter will probably be positive. But then after that, all bets are off and economic growth will very likely go south yet again. But going back to the Federal Reserve, you know, the time to start hiking interest rates was two years ago when we first had an indication that inflation was getting out of hand. And instead, the Federal Reserve sat on its hands and, in fact, helped fuel the inflation by buying so much of these treasury bonds and helping to cover the shortfall of the federal government, spending trillions upon trillions of dollars it didn't have. And inflation is much like a cancer. If, you've, if you catch that cancer early enough, you can use very low doses of chemotherapy and radiation, you can kill the tumor, and you don't do a whole lot of harm to the patient in the process. But now the Fed has waited until we're in stage four, and now we need incredibly hard and heavy doses of chemotherapy in the form of frequent and large interest rate hikes in order to kill this cancer. And it's going to take longer to do so, and we're going to do a lot more harm to the patient in the process. But I do want to emphasize it is still the right move. You don't say, well, the cancer is in stage four, so just forget it, and let the thing run wild and eventually kill the patient. No, you attack it aggressively and you deal with the problem. But we are in a situation where Congress and the president are now working at cross-purposes to the Fed. As they continue to spend trillions of dollars we don't have, the Fed needs to slam on the brakes harder and harder in order to get inflation under control. And the harder they have to slam on the brakes in this car, the more people they're going to throw through the windshield in the process. Um,
1: Jordan Goodman, are there any sectors of the American economy that are that are still working and thriving despite chaos in other areas?
3: I think healthcare is doing pretty well because that's got a continual flow of money from the federal biotechnology. A lot of. New drugs coming on. So I think that's an area that's, that's doing quite well. I mean, despite what we've talked about, energy stocks have been leading the market this year. Uh, they're not drilling a lot, but the existing drug uh, drilling that they've got, they're doing very well. Oil prices are still you know in the $80, $90 range, so they make a lot of money at that level. Um, but there's a lot of other areas of the economy that are really getting weaker Uh, particularly because of the high interest rates. It's clearly hitting the home building market, the real estate market in a major way. And that's a big source of wealth for Americans that's really being hurt here.
1: You know, Mr. Doley, Goldman Sachs CEO, David Solomon warned this past Tuesday that the U.S. economy might be headed for a downturn that could make investing and business decision much more difficult. This is his quote, I think it's a time to be cautious, and I think that if you're running a risk-based business, it's a time to think more cautiously about your risk box, your risk appetite. And I must tell you, our government is running a risk-type business now. Look,
2: <clears throat> they have politicized oil. You know, the, our oil is in the ground. We we are a huge... Um, um, reservoir of oil and gas we the all you have to do is just uh, read we're looking at recognizes recognizing Venezuela because of their oil reserves. Well, they've been on the uh, don't do business with list for I don't know, 10 years at least. Um, uh, Iran, we're looking at uh, playing footsie with Iran because we want their oil. I mean, but we're not dealing with the oil under our feet. And uh, that is a real problem. And it's all because of politics. What's uh, the stall on the Keystone XL pipeline? You know, uh, they talk about it's dirty oil, uh, high uh, sludge and whatever. Um, but the real issue is, uh, who is making the money on not, uh, putting that oil in the pipeline? And it's the railroad industry. And you have to look at who owns and controls the railroads in that area. And, uh, you answered your question. We, you know, uh, Biden and his, um, uh, administration are playing too much, and they have weaponized uh, oil. And what uh, uh, Powell has done at the Fed, uh, he has weaponized politically uh, interest rates. I mean, keeping uh, the cost of funds at virtually zero for an extended period of time, where you had $20 trillion of sovereign debt with a negative interest rate. You know, things are out of kilter, to say the least.
1: Tommy Trillin from the United Kingdom, who just happens to be in town, is joining us to talk further about the resignation of Liz Truss on Thursday as the British Prime Minister um, after being in office only about six weeks. Uh, you've been talking about this. Uh, obviously, when I've spoken with you, you have not really spoken favorably about Truss. You saw this coming, why? What is it that we don't know that's going on in the UK? Why this
4: sudden resignation is taking place? I wanna start by saying thank you for having me, Armstrong. Um, well, basically, just to reflect on the last couple of weeks, Liz Truss's mini budget didn't add up Is the first of the things that have happened leading to her financial uh, minister stepping down recently. Whether or not she actually decided to resign today or not, Lord Brady, um, head of the, uh, I believe it's a 1922 committee, would have forced her to anyway. She usually would have had a 12-month um, like grace period only due to the fact she just stepped in six weeks ago. But due to the state of the country and what she's put th- us through at the minute, that wouldn't have been the case. He was going to make her leave no matter what the circumstances.
1: What are the circumstances in the UK? We're talking here today about inflation. We're talking about interest rate. I mean, inflation is just soaring in the UK.
4: Inflation's soaring. Our fuel prices are soaring the same as yours. Cost of living's going up for everybody. We're just in turmoil. We've obviously just had the death of our queen. Uh, We're still, everyone's still mourning in England at the moment. The last thing we expected was to have our newly appointed prime minister step down. Uh, E.J.,
1: how devastating, and why does this seem to mirror what's going on in the U.K., mirrors what's going on in our country?
0: I think that's because both in the U.K. and here in the U.S., we're experiencing the, the undue influence of central banks, which have grown far too large and far too cozy, quite frankly, with government. Instead of being the banker's bank, which is what these institutions were designed to do, they have essentially become funding vehicles for governments and their bloated budgets. We have to remember that inflation is a tax. Now, it's a hidden tax because Congress doesn't vote on it and the president doesn't sign it, but it is still fundamentally a tax. If you're wondering where did the government get the trillions upon trillions of dollars they have spent over the last two years, they are taking it out of your hide right now in the form of higher prices. That is the hidden tax of inflation. And the Central Bank, the Bank of England, uh, has essentially through their own manipulations, helped force out Liz trust. And that just goes to show you the absolute uh, incredible power of these central banks and the amount of influence they wield over our political structures, and I think it's quite dangerous. Uh, Ambassador Doley,
1: are we witnessing a global meltdown? Absolutely. And, you know, the...
2: We're being deflected here uh, about uh, the resignation of the government. Um, The the real issue uh, with the crisis in the pound a week 10 days ago dealt with a margin call uh, on the uh, British uh, pension system of $1.79 trillion. And the only way to satisfy that call was for the Bank of England to intervene. Nobody's talking about that. They're talking about uh, uh, a proposed tax. And, that, you know, that's an easy place to rest uh, an issue. But it, w- you, you're having repercussions as well in the U.K. from Brexit, as well as the supply chain associated uh, with that uh, buildup. Uh, But the real issue here is that the British retirement system, which would be analogous to our social security system, was uh, about to implode.
4: I I completely agree. Um, I think it's an absolute shambles. We've had four prime ministers now step down, and like you just mentioned, Brexit obviously does play a big part in this still and we've still not recovered from that. The country is still in sort of a split decision on Brexit and whether it was the best move to make at the time. And regardless of Brexit, we've then had COVID, two major incidences in our country and in the world. Um, David Cameron stepped down. We've had Theresa May step down and Boris and now um, Truss. I I can't believe it. Our conservative party is in shambles.
1: Um, Jordan Goodman, um, is this an indictment of leadership as it's just, just where we find ourselves with leadership coming to, continuing to kick the ball, to kick the can down the road, and it's all coming back full force.
3: I agree with that. I, I think the decisions in Britain were just very stupid. Uh, Liz Truss is supposedly conservative. She would have known that cutting taxes, raising spending would blow out the deficit, and the markets would react badly to that. This should not have been a surprise to her. Yet she went ahead and did it anyway. It was her chancellor, the exchequer, who was saying this is going to be a good idea. The, the markets have a lot of sway here as well. And they said, we're not going for this. The pound plummeted, interest rates rose. Uh, as the ambassador said, this really hurt the pension funds they had to be bailed out. This was all predictable. But this is not, it didn't have to happen. So that was bad. And this is happening around the world. I mean, I think Vladimir Putin is in trouble too. He's losing the war. Everybody's fleeing the country. Nobody wants to be there. Um, in, in France, they have massive strikes going on right now, worrying about inflation. Uh, there's just a lot of tumult around the world, uh, and, and leadership is not, not meeting the challenge. You know, uh, Jordan, I differ
2: with you on one point. This was not solely the, uh, chancellor of the exchequer. He is part of a team and there's right. no way he could have stepped out with his Proposed tax increase without the prime minister's concurrence.
3: It was a tax decrease, by the way. It was a tax. Well, oh, I, I, I'm,
2: I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but you're right. A tax no, it, decrease it on the
3: Yeah, absolutely you're right. correct. It was his idea, and the prime minister took it on. So you're, you're right. It's a team, but whoever did it was very stupid. They should have known or at least checked with the markets in advance. What do you think would happen when we do this kind of thing? They would have immediately told them bad idea.
1: You know, E.J., um, the ambassador just mentioned um, France and Macron's government invoked a rarely used powers to override France's National Assembly on a crucial budget vote, placing his pro-business agenda on a collision course with parliament.
0: You know, I think one of the things we're seeing around the world right now are governments having to face reality. And that reality is that socialism has failed, it continues to fail, and it will fail in the future. And unless governments move away from these bloated budgets and these entitlement programs, which are entirely unaffordable or just insolvent, then they are on a collision course with bankruptcy. And the way many countries have decided to forestall that bankruptcy is by simply uh, inflating their currencies and in that way, acquiring enough revenue to pay for these bloated budgets, at least for the time being, but it can't last forever. And as country after country runs up against this wall, they are having to make difficult decisions in terms of either raising explicit taxes or cutting, uh, cutting the dole, essentially. And that has created a tremendous amount of unrest, but it is also being made worse by so many bad energy policies, not just here in the United States, but in many countries around the world, which are artificially restricting supply and artificially driving up energy prices. And I think we really underestimate just how much the price of energy affects everything we do and everything we buy, so that when you get inflation in the energy markets, it trickles down to everything else.
1: You know, Tommy, uh, we talk about our own welfare system in here and how it's all imploding. The government just cannot continue to take care of people the way it once did. I mean, I, I, I found it quite shocking when you shared with us before the broadcast how welfare works in the UK.
4: So in the UK, we have a system that we refer to as the doll. Um, people can sign on to this for many reasons, whether it be they're jobless, disabled, um, they, have, they can get benefits due to how many children they have. The problem we're having at the minute um, and it's one of the reasons why we actually Um, had to put Brexit into place is that we're having a lot of these Europeans come across with massive families Mm. applying for the dole money. They're getting the extra money for the, say, ten children that they've also got for food, allowance, uh, rental for a a proposed property that they're meant to be living in. They they don't even stay in the country. There's nobody to monitor that. They're applying for all of these benefits and shipping this cash straight back to whether it be Romania, Poland, one of these other Eastern European countries and living like kings.
1: And. No one is trying to make an attempt to put a stop to it.
4: There are so many things going on in our country at the minute. It's just getting pushed into the middle or the bottom of the pile. Um, My main concern right now is who's going to step in, who's going to be the next prime minister. That's what I'm thinking about.
1: Um, Listen, uh, Mr. Doley, your final comment, I I noticed you are about trying to say something when you were talking about listening to the welfare system of the UK.
2: Well, uh, those social systems you know throughout the world are underfunded um and th- there's a misconception in the us by uh people uh 40 or under that uh, the uh social securities system uh, the and the payments to uh the, the elderly uh those were uh payroll deductions from those people uh, from the time they began working. Uh, and if we had a, a more um, uh, sophisticated system like uh, Switzerland or uh, even South Africa, where uh, they use their uh, proceeds in the, of these collections and they invested that money uh into their their stock market their bond market uh and there was growth that there, there has not been any growth uh in the uh these uh, uh retirement funds of the social security system and th- that is something uh that we should uh look at you know, people talk about it that's privatizing social security and it puts you at risk uh Others have done it and done it well. Uh, and you can choose which system you want. Uh, do you want to go with this present system? Or do you want to go with a system wh- which provides the opportunity for growth? Where We need to modernize uh, that system.
1: Mr. Doley, E.J., uh, Jordan Goodman, Tommy, this has been a, a robust, very educational, insightful conversation, and I cannot thank you enough for joining us.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode.